Welcome to episode 50 of Aspirin Inquire. It's truly incredible to be able to sit here and think about the fact that 50 episodes have been recorded. Jin and I have been extremely fortunate to speak with so many incredible individuals in so many different industries. Being able to help younger individuals explore all these different paths in the small bit that we've been able to do has been so rewarding. So many messages from people thanking us, supporting us, and we can't thank everyone enough for, for doing that. Whether this is your first episode you're tuning into or your 50th, we can't thank you enough. And the future of Aspire and Inquire looks a bit different. We'll still be releasing audio content and there's a lot to look forward to. There will be more to come, but the guests that we've had on the show have taught us so much. And one of the things that Jen and I really want to strive for is more actionable content. We want you to listen in and immediately go do something about it. Incredible stories are amazing, and we will continue to release these stories. But we want Aspiring Inquire to be the place you go to to make actual change. So Jin and I will be recording together, and we're so excited to continue to do so. But before we can talk about the content that we are going to release, go enjoy episode number 50 with the Waste Baruch. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Aspire and Inquire. Today, as always, we have another amazing guest on the show. Today, we are going into the realm of insurance, but not an insurance salesman, per se, more of the tech side of insurance. And I'm extremely excited to talk about insurance claims, tech, content, and so much more. Uh, Awais Farouk is our guest today. Awais, how are you? Doing well, Ben. How about yourself? I am doing great. I'm very excited to speak with you. Um, I do want to point out how Oasis and I connected now, because th- this is the, as I pointed out to you, the first time anyone has ever done this. I, I think you came across my profile through listening to one of our former, one of my former guests, uh, Dominic Lee's episode on actuarial science, and. You DM me with some software company that helps facilitate video intro messages. Is that the best way of phrasing that? That's it. That's it. I, you know, I'll say, Ben, I mean, in this today's world with the pandemic and everything going on, it's very difficult to connect with people, especially in person, of course, but even more difficult now in social media because I think everybody's just so bombarded with just word messages and sales techniques and so on and so forth. So I wanted to make it a little bit personal. So I recorded a video and I share that with my um, network where I connect with people just to introduce myself and put a face to the name. I was so unbelievably impressed by it. Again, it, it instantly differentiated you in my mind. No matter what else you had said in that intro message, that showed me on its own, who you were. So uh, just for, for anyone listening so they can leverage this this software, um, what's it called again? It's called uh, Vidyard. And Ben, I'll also like to give you some kudos because I was smiling when I received a message back from you and you just recorded it right on the spot. And that takes a lot of courage. So I was smiling as I was listening to you because it was once again the first time somebody had thought outside the box and responded back in a very uh, unique way. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I figured if you were going to be unique and creative, that it was only right to provide you with the same courtesy. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did want to point that out because I thought it was such an incredible tactic that anyone can use to instantly differentiate and help networking skills. So if for anyone listening, that is one of the big keys, differentiating yourself when you're reaching out to people. So that's a great place to start. <laughs> and it was a really awesome way to start our uh, re- uh, relationship and connection. So going on to the episode now, I want to sh- just provide a brief background about you and maybe you can expand upon that as you see fit. How does that sound? Sounds like a good plan. Awesome. 
So Oasis was born in Pakistan and long story short, well, there's a long journey there and we'll get to that, but you attended college at Immaculata University for your undergrad, uh, attended BU for a master's program in insurance management. Mm-hmm. You worked for State Farm for almost 10 years in a, in a couple different insurance claim insurance claims roles. And over the next few years, you worked at some other big insurance names like Farmers, Farmers Insurance, Chubb, uh, even a stint at Berkshire Hathaway. That sounds very interesting. And you are currently at ActiveOps as a U.S. insurance practice lead. So, I mean, you've had such an incredible journey, and I'm so excited to go more in-depth on this, uh, talk about some of your passions and experiences inside and outside insurance. So, as I understand it, as I mentioned in the beginning, you function at some sort of crossroads between insurance, maybe insurance claims and tech. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Spot on. So, we'll, we'll get into that first, but before before we do that, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, regarding introducing yourself? No, I think Ben, you did a very nice job in summarizing everything, <laughs> everywhere that I've been. And like you said, we'll get into discussions further. And what inspired me the most in connecting with you and being on this podcast is your mission and what you're trying to drive for the new generation that's listening and trying to really activate their careers uh, from college, that transition from college into professional life is a quite drastic change. And, uh, and you know, it's uh, it's fascinating with the work that you're doing. So I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. As you stated, the, the transition from college to the quote unquote real world is immaculate. It, it really is. It is a complete, the complete opposite. And no matter what people tell you, that's, you're still shocked at the change. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I think a, a cool place to start would be to talk about, so why insurance? When, when I think of insurance as in someone working in the industry, I, maybe this is a huge stereotype. I think of a boring old guy sitting behind a computer, just processing documents. I don't know. Obviously a huge overstatement and that's not what insurance is, but some would say it's a boring industry. I would say, um, But also on the other side of that, most people don't know that, including myself, that there are so many parts of the industry when you take a look under the hood that are unbelievably exciting to pursue. So what what brought you to insurance? Yeah, Ben, so my journey is interesting. Like most people in insurance, you'll find that, you know, nobody grows up. Some people do that have a passion for it, but very rarely you find individuals that wake up and go to college for insurance and then end up in insurance. I have worked with architects, engineers, nurses, doctors, lawyers, you name it, a variety of different folks that went to school for something else and they found themselves in insurance. And like most, you know, I stumbled upon insurance uh, because of the experience that I had myself with my insurance policy. So like you said, I, I lived in Boston a little bit. And I moved to the Philadelphia area. And when I moved here, I purchased auto insurance. It was great. And all of a sudden, my premium just started going up. I had no knowledge of insurance like um, most common people do not. And I went to a variety of different agents. And then I finally found an agent who gave me a very um, amazing advice as well as guidance. And that's what it is all about is that expertise that she provided really sold me and educating me in what is the right right policies for me, et cetera. So we built a very good connection. I was in sales previously. So, you know, retail, um, retail business, business uh, sales that I was doing. And she said, why don't you come and work for me and you can take over my agency. And here I was her customer. So it was interesting for me to hear somebody say that. And, you know, I told her my response was that I don't want to sell insurance because I believe it is legal robbery. <laughs> so, you know, say, making that statement, she she laughed and she said, well, why don't you go and talk to my husband who works in insurance and claims? And I didn't know what claims did. I just I just felt like, you know, claims are is an area where the department just doesn't want to make 
any payments and they're looking for you to looking for looking at you as a customer as uh, somebody who's consistently committing fraud so it was it was interesting i went i went in for an interview and during the interview the individual that uh, i was speaking with uh, his name is peter and he asked me why do you want this job and i said i don't know my agent told me to apply so here i am it was uh it was very unique in the sense and he ended up giving me uh, a job and we ended up becoming very good friends later on and you know he became a mentor to me and a peer um, to me it's just been phenomenal following along his journey but the interesting thing was i always asked peter i said peter why did you hire me you know when i gave you that uh response that i i my agent told me to apply and here i am and he said you were very genuine and honest and about what you were saying and i saw some potential uh, but you know with that being said i thought insurance career for me was going to be a short stint where i would be there three to six months uh, help pay some college loans and then be out and here i am 13 years later uh, sitting and talking to you all about how amazing insurance is um, so there's variety of different assets uh, variety of different areas of insurance which um, play very key roles right so when you think of insurance you're thinking of exactly how you described it somebody boring sitting behind a bunch of different books and policies and trying to figure out ways on how they can avoid paying um, when somebody suffers a loss but it's a lot different than that right there's a lot of different areas of insurance which 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 discuss investigation negotiation skills leadership skills um you know you you can be an expert in construction and have an excellent career at insurance so it's all of those things combined together um is what really is the key about the success of insurance and it really boils down to that it's one of the safest um industries out there because of how strong it has been for the past past century it's just grown so tremendously and there's a lot of market share out in there it's such a fascinating business model to me i only truly started to understand the basics of the business model within the past couple of years where where an insurance company is betting on risk i guess um now, of course, they provide so many benefits to people that do go through these unforeseen, terrible accidents, uh, you, you name it. And it's an incredible business that actually exists. Um, but it's an interesting part from like a risk perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, 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 helping, it's helping communities, it's helping individuals diversify their risks so that way they're not having to put that on their shoulders when they do suffer a loss. So when you think about an auto accident, when you think about a, you know, something happening to your home, it's a very big asset. It's a very big investment that you make, um, which most people spend um, their life trying to uh, turn it into an asset from a debt to an asset. So you have to safeguard and protect that, right? And by doing that, uh, you know, you can you can take that risk upon yourself and not insure a home if you don't have a mortgage and mortgage companies not requiring you. But if something were to happen to your home, how does that translate? So one of the one of the areas that I want to focus on is my experiences in the catastrophe environment. I, I managed catastrophe operations for six years. And, you know, in that where I've been to places where the houses were completely gone after a tornado and the only thing left is the foundation. And when you're standing there helping these individuals and helping these families really from financial standpoint to rebuild their home to what it was pre prior to that event, it's just remarkable. I mean, you know, people fall in tears and are just so grateful to have insurance, right? And for most people, you pay for insurance for many years and nothing happens, uh, but it's just that one event that can really change your entire life. Yeah. Wow. That that is really amazing. And we will be speaking about catastrophe insurance shortly. But before we get there, um, 
What's something that most people don't know about working in the insurance industry? Maybe something that if you told the average listener who was who didn't know much, what's something that might sway people to consider working in the industry? Yeah, I'll tell you that, you know, as I said, it's a very well-established industry uh, where you have legacy companies that have a very strong uh, foothold when it comes to clients and customers, but it's being disrupted right now. I mean, insurance is becoming a lot more exciting than it ever has been. And the pandemic has just accelerated that. I mean, there's several different companies that you may have seen through IPOs that launched and they're tech companies, companies such as Lemonade Insurance, Loop Insurance is something that's upcoming, Root Insurance and Hippo Insurance. So all these weird names that you're like, we've never heard of these insurance companies. They're tech insurance companies. Some of these insurance companies are uh, developing, you know, technology that is, that is fascinating from a perspective of accepting that risk, how quickly they accept it, and then servicing to the needs and the changes that the, that are demanded by the customer. So, you know, for example, uh, there's uh, another company that just went public a few, you know, I, I listed on Nasdaq a few, I think, weeks ago or uh, a little over a month ago. It's called MetroMile. So it's a user-based insurance. So you pay based off of how much you drive versus you know just a regular monthly payment of just because you live in a location just because uh you know you have a specific car and so many other factors that go into it and you're paying a fixed premium what if you paid based off of how much you drove and then during the pandemic not many people drove much and with that your insurance would be cut a lot less you know and with this entire change of uberization where you know you're you you see a large influx of folks trying to question whether they're going to need a vehicle or not. So there's a different type of risk that goes along with this. From a technology standpoint, there's a lot of work being done on the artificial intelligence space, um, you know, robotic process automation, intelligent automation, and that involves a lot of the processes and a lot of the writing aspect of how do you quote a premium? How do you pay for claims? So think about you as a consumer submitting a claim after your vehicle got damaged and you get an estimate and you provide that to your insurance company and your insurance company immediately approves your claim without you ever speaking to anybody and the money is being routed to your account because they're running algorithms and they're running artificial intelligence uh, based off of profiling pretty much on how likely are you to commit a fraud or how likely is the area where you had the loss could be related to fraud. And if it passes all those um, uh, you know, thresholds, then you're, you're getting your payment. Of course, if there's any questions, it's going to be elevated and you're still gonna need that human touch, but that is huge. You think about you know, how insurance has previously done, been done is if you, ever, if you ever had to work with an insurance company, you would say that you dread just the long process of trying to get somebody to come out to take a look at your vehicle. I mean, that could be done through remote um, um, remote technology now where just by you taking a picture, as an entire estimate can be generated, right? Um, of what, what that damage is without anybody really sitting down and writing all the panels and the vehicle make model. I mean, all you need is just photos. Uh, from a property perspective, uh, there's a company called Hover that you take, I believe, six or eight pictures around your house, and it gives you the entire dimensions of exterior. So if you're if you need to replace a roof, think about how much time that's saving you from measuring the property and so on and so forth. And all this technology is really evolving the way we are going to interact in the future when it comes to um, you know any type of transaction we're having. You know we're we never, I'll tell you a funny story because I was in Dubai a few years back and I was at a friend's house and, you know, he lived on the 28th floor um, and he he just simply ordered something from like the grocery store and the guy came up and delivered the product and, you know, an hour later he's like, oh, I forgot something else. So here this guy's coming back to deliver eggs and I'm like, oh man, this would be amazing in the States, right? And here we're with a pandemic and you see this part of the 
uh, this part of this innovation has really taken off from, you know, having Instacart and, you know, all these other grocery stores having their own delivery mechanisms. That's, that's all about disruption and insurance industry hasn't been disrupted. So it's a great place to be at. Wow. <laughs> that would, thank you so much for all that detail. Disruption in any industry is always good. I mean, challenging the status quo, making things more efficient for the end consumer and all other stakeholders involved in the process is always extremely important. And I guess you could say insurance as an industry has been lagging, but clearly not in in the very, very modern times. I was just reading a Crunchbase newsletter, I think either yesterday or this morning, that was talking about an insured tech company IPOing or, or having some sort of exit. So I, it's really fascinating that it's it's one of, I guess you could say, one of the booming industries right now to work in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's just so much going on. I mean, you know, Tesla thinking about having their own insurance company and imagine, you know, you as a vehicle owner, you know, the hassle of you reporting a claim and so on and so forth. The technology is at a point where, you know, the vehicle is recording a lot of the information, a lot of your habits on how you drive. And before, you know, you even pick up the phone, the insurance company is calling you and saying, hey, we've been notified through your vehicle technology that you had an accident. And are you OK? We have, you know, this is the protocol. This is where you should go to get your vehicle fixed. All that information is reversed. So instead of you calling and reporting the claim, the claim is coming to you. And that journey is just adapting very rapidly. And we need new talent to come in and think think differently and create innovations, which is going to reduce time to provide better customer service. Because I'll tell you that uh, Amazon and other services have really stepped up their game and have made an impact uh, worldwide, not just in the industries where they're at, but even other areas. Me as a consumer of Amazon, if I can get something delivered in two hours to me, why is it that my insurance company needs to wait 10 years, you know, before they can settle something or, you know, 10 years, I'm exaggerating, but at least you'll notice the normal turnaround times is, is a month or two months. Wow. Why do I need to do that? You know, the difference between the two is huge. I, I mean, it's all the difference, right? I mean, if you can get something settled from a single picture where AI on the back end can say, yes, this is legit. Let's pay the, let's pay the user. That's incredible. And I'm going to go, I'm not going to go chronologically. I'm going to go straight to ActiveOps, your current company, because you were talking about all the processes on the back end that in, are involved that are need to be, that need to be built and monitored and continually updated. So you work on the back end of this, I assume. This is the kind of stuff that you are helping build, right? It is Please tell me about the current role and what, what you're doing at ActiveOps. Yeah, I'll tell you that, you know, with my background, I've done a lot of different things in claims and I've seen, I've led a lot, very large organizations from an operations and claims perspective. I started uh, the PNC claims department for Berkshire Hathaway and then led uh, the property claims um, unit there. And from that, you know, one of the things that I learned as a leader is you learn how to process policies, guidelines, as a good manager, as a good leader, you know how to have good coaching skills. You know, what are the crucial conversations you want to have with your employees? You know, how do you motivate? How do you challenge your employees? All of those things are great. But one of the things that I found missing throughout my journey was something called production management, right? There's there's a key element of a happy medium before somebody is getting burned out and after they're sitting around waiting for work. So what does that happy medium look like? Because there's, you know, in my view, when you're burning out your employees, they're not happy. It's impacting their personal life. And they're in turn are going to look for an opportunity to exit out the door. If they could get a job somewhere else where they don't have to burn themselves out and they can get better pay or same pay, sometimes even less pay, right? And the other piece of it is if you're not getting, keeping them busy enough, challenged enough and involved enough, they're going to also be looking for an exit because they want to make a difference, right? The idea as an employee, as a young professional, 
is that you want to add value no matter where you go. And it's just in our human nature that, you know, we want to we want to be a part of a bigger goal. We just don't want to go in and work for the sake of working. I mean, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to become the CEO of the company or the head of the department or anything like that. What it means is that no matter what role you're in, you have to do your best and know that because you're giving it your best is for the sole reason of what you believe in what you're doing. So if you believe in the work that you're doing, it, it's going to have an impact. So with active ops, you know, my my focus and my motivation in coming, leaving my or, you know, leaving my background in claims and coming in and helping organizations find the productivity is uh, really exciting because it allows me to say that we're one of the only companies that measure employee well-being. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of companies have a variety of different surveys, et cetera, that they take and to deliver what does uh, well-being look like. And to be honest with you, you know, as an employee, I took those surveys too. Nobody's going to take a survey and say that I am terribly, um, I'm terribly, you know, burned out in this area. And there'll be some, but there's that fear that, you know, that information is somehow trickle going to trickle back and impact you as a professional. And it, you know, although it's labeled as anonymous, you know, we know in today's world, nothing is anonymous. So that kind of sense of um, uh, sense of insecurity kind of makes you want to say things are okay. So or you, you, you taking the survey and the organization looking at it and saying, hey, how are you doing? And you're saying things are okay is, you know, not helping either one, right? It's not helping the organization because they have upset employees. It's not helping the employees because they don't see any change because they never told the organization. So what we do is we help see how well is uh, our people performing. So with the pandemic, you know, people are working odd hours. You know, some people are working odd hours because of, you know, their personal reasons. And that could be children, that could be variety of different things, personal life that comes in between, right? But the other aspect of it is other people are working odd hours because they feel like they have to work nonstop. So whenever they get an email, you know, they're responding back via text, via phone or anything like that. But then they're jumping on the computer to say, oh, I'll jump on for a few minutes. And next thing you see is four or five hours go by and it's midnight. And now you're, you're kind of wondering what just happened, right? So we help define some of that. That's amazing. And it seems like you, you've transitioned past the insurance space. How was, I, I can't imagine leaving a company after being there for almost 10 years. I, I heard this, this amazing description on, I believe it was the insurance nerds podcast. So I would highly recommend people look to that and, and listen to Oasis explain that whole story. But quickly, how was that transition? Like, was it, was it difficult? It had to have been, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was extremely difficult. I mean, I mean, the reason why it was difficult was because of the people, right? I, the people that I led, the people that led me, that coached me, that gave me the support. Um, and that's the biggest piece, right? That's the biggest advice I can give any professional, young professional trying to improve their career or professionals that have been doing uh, amazing work, but they're not seeing the growth, right? It all comes down to networking. It comes down to, you know, what is your brand? You know, I work for State Farm. I work for Farmers. All of those companies have a brand. So when I say State Farm, everybody immediately thinks of Jake from State Farm, right? <laughs> That's what they want to know. And I wore khakis, right, all the time. So but I wasn't Jake. Uh, but with that being said, like, you know, I, I struggled in the first couple of years to build my brand because I was just in a, in a smaller shell and saying, hey, I'm going to do exciting work. I'm going to give it my best and I'm going to see how this is going to play out. But nobody knew who I was and what I was doing, right? There was no, there was no connections. I was only talk, speaking with people within my department. So forget about the organization. I was just speaking with immediate team members and sometimes outside of my team into the department, but it never went beyond that. So when I really explored outside of that department is I started learning 
you know, more things about myself, not necessarily, you know, boasting to people and, hey, I'm doing this project and so on and so forth. But it's like, okay, let me discover myself and what are my strengths and how can I make that perfect? And making a change after that such a long time was kind it was very difficult you know i felt i felt like lo- i felt loyal to that company because of what they had done for me i mean all the growth from a leadership standpoint and all the different opportunities i had so in catastrophe i was traveling 8 to 10 months out of the year i was living in hotels and it was a it was a huge huge shift for me from going from that environment into something else that i the unknown i didn't know about and then i learned that the world is much bigger right the world is much bigger and the talents and the the things that i learned um really have a lot a lot a lot of different value to different organizations and i wanted to make a difference and utilize the skills and all the all the things that i learned i mean you know you talk about technology and what's exciting in insurance like i got to play around with drones um and that was exciting like you never think of drones when you think of insurance but you know it's it's a, it's a new evolving technology there's ai and drone which can pick out you know the the impact of shingles so if you think about hail when it happens you know it impacts the roof and the roof becomes damaged and then the insurance company has to pay for it you fly a drone up there in a couple of minutes 10 minutes you can have the entire dimensions of the roof and exactly know how much is damaged so you can write the estimate and move forward from there right so it's been it was a it was a difficult decision um i'll definitely say but it was because of the people right you don't um i built some very good relationships i had built some very good connections that i was just you know not sure how that was going to be in the unknown world um and like most of us you know we go in from college and or uh, after our education into a company and then sometimes we stay there too long and the uh, there's also the opposite right i see this very often with my mentees where they get a job after college and then 6 months into it they're gone there is that level of commitment that you have to have even if you know there's the grass is never greener no matter where you go and but you have to give it your best you have to give it time you have to uh be patient in what you're doing i'll tell you you know i have a lot of insurance designations and i have a masters in insurance but that's not that's not how it all started i remember taking my first exam uh you know the first 6 months i was at the job because my leadership told me i should pursue a designation but i didn't know anything about insurance industry it was very minimal and i failed it right that was the first exam i failed and after that for 4 years i didn't take another exam i said i don't know this but once i started building confidence and once i started getting into it and i be, i became passionate about it you know anything about insurance I it it gets me motivated in having a good discussion. It's amazing. It's like you know the questions I'm going to ask. You're leading me. Um <laughs> I was going to ask about designations and obviously networking within an industry is unbelievably important, right? But if you're looking at an equally qualified applicant, how do you differentiate? One of those is those intra-industry designations. And I'd love for you to speak about the CPCU designation um because on on this on this show we like to cover those industry specific designations to let people know how they're going to differentiate themselves. Um please tell me about the CPCU designation and why it's so valuable. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's worldwide renowned uh designation. Uh I've come across people from Asia to Europe and you know in africa that have cpcu and it's it's a you know it's 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 amazing to be at an organization that supports that so you know the biggest the biggest advice i could give in any type of education is when you're at a company make sure you know you take full advantage of everything that they're paying you for uh from perspective of continuing education um i can't tell you how much of uh support that i've received from a variety of different organizations that i was part of for continuing education because it's a big expense and you know there's a there's a conferment app at the end of your CPCU designation um you know i and and there there's one in Hawaii there's it's all over the place and some organizations will send you to these these conferments 
and pay for all your trips and your significant other and so on and so forth. So from that angle, you know, it's exciting and rewarding to pursue these designations. The other angle is really for you to learn at a broader perspective of what in, what that industry is all about. Right. You, you, you may be you may be in claims, you may be in underwriting, you may be just processing things, um, you may be doing actuarial stuff, but a designation in the industry is always going to give you that broad understanding of how the insurance industry works. You know, why why are companies selling insurance? Like that's what I learned <laughs> with my CPU designation. And I'll tell you everything that I learned. At the time, I never, I never understood it until I, you know, got involved with some of those lines. So there's a variety of different lines of insurance. So at Burke, at the Chubb, I was overseeing 19 different lines of businesses, and I didn't, I didn't know there was that many lines of businesses that existed in the insurance space. So there's something called director and officers insurance, errors and emissions insurance, right? So uh, lawyers liability, you know, doctors liability, professional. Sir, uh, professional insurance. There's cyber insurance. That's a that's a huge area that's growing. I helped develop a cyber cat. Uh, cat refers to catastrophe. Uh, you know, we talk about natural disasters, but a cyber event, a large enough cyber event, can be a huge catastrophe. And there's very minimal time you have to respond to that because of the um, the data impact that it can have, and you know the data breach and the ransomware, et cetera. So how do you get these funds to these individuals that are hacking, right, and have access to this data? So you tr- they, of course, trade in Bitcoin, right, digital, uh, digital blockchain, and I'm sure Bitcoin is a big uh, topic right now. So that's how it plays into insurance. There's a huge push for blockchain and, uh, you know, the currencies and different things, digital currencies, and how that's going to impact the insurance as a whole. Wow. Okay. So there, there's a ton to un- unpack there. And God, I could ask like 30 different follow-ups. I'm going to try to suppress myself. But <laughs> so so that's really interesting. The, the designations help you get that broader perspective, can make you a better employee, whether you're in with within any subsector or, or any niche within insurance. And then that can help you advance to another part of the insurance industry as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it just opens up your eyes and it gives you that understanding of what, how everything really works on the, from the start to finish, right? Uh, From what are the responsibilities, corporate responsibilities, you know, how does the uh, variety of different governmental agencies come into play when it comes to um, insurance, right? There's uh, regulations that come into play. So from a legal standpoint, I could just go on and on about, you know, variety of different uh, roles. So no matter which area you come from, you can always have a piece of insurance. I'll tell you that every single human in the U.S. is somehow connected to insurance, whether it's healthcare, whether it's auto, whether it's, uh, you know, homes, personal articles, professional business, there's some element of insurance that's involved. Um, that's, you know, that's why this industry is so big. Right, right. Whether you own a own one of these claims or uh, yourself, or if you're, you know, it's your policy, or you're a beneficiary, most, most humans are going to be involved in some way, which that makes sense. I never really thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on from the insurance world per se, I would love to hear about catastrophe insurance and your transition from property claims to catastrophe. I heard you speak on how crazy working in CAT, I'll sound like an industry uh, leader. Can can you tell us the case, uh, why this is the case, why it is such a demanding role for people who aren't necessarily familiar with it? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think of it as military, right? So when you're in field catastrophe, when you're, you know, um, not, I mean, there's two two different parts of catastrophe, right? So in a claims world, you have the in-office catastrophe units, and then you have the field catastrophe units. So the in-office units are really focused heavily on um, being there in office, working, you know, whether it's remote or in that location, 
once the influx of claims comes and then now your hours go from eight to four or 30 or eight, nine to five, whatever it is to now seven to seven, right? It's uh, six days a week, seven days a week. So you can imagine from the, there's a financial aspect associated with that, but the field, you know, I was in the field for six years and where it differentiates is that you are deployable, similar to as if you were in the military. So you get to, uh, you get a notice and you, you only sometimes get a 12 hour notice and next thing you see is you either get a get on a plane or you're in your car driving across the country. I saw the world's largest fire hydrant, the world's largest chair, ketchup bottle, you know, all these random things that I would never get to see. And it really developed my passion for travel, right, uh, from from that. But from perspective of helping others, um, it's a, it's a very rewarding role. And it's very draining because now you're gone away from your family you miss out a lot of different personal things such as birthdays, such as, you know, anniversaries, whatever it may be, you're going to miss those small moments. You're sacrificing a lot of your time and being away from where you're at. And I did that when, of course, I was, um, you know, uh, young and, you know, didn't have children and all those things. And it was exciting. The money was good. I got to travel I got to see different places. I got to experience different things in my professional careers. I mean, it's always very unique area. And I've been to, I got a deployment one time to Hawaii and um, I got a, I got an email at seven o'clock in the evening and saying that I have a flight at five o'clock in the morning that I got to be on. And uh, I'm going to Hawaii because there's a hurricane coming and I have to get there before the hurricane arrives. So there's that danger element to it too, where you're going into um, the storm instead of going after the effect, right? But it's really about helping people and feeling good about that you're, you're there. You're there as an expert to guide them because they don't know. Um, so for a role of a claims adjuster, a claims leader, a claims manager is always about you know educating and providing service of Insurance, I call it, is an empty box of promises. And the customer only gets to open that box after they suffer a loss. And, uh, you know, you, you want to make sure that you help them every possible way that you can to get the mo- maximum out of their policy. It's not to save money for the insurance company, right? It's a, it's a promise that the company has made. And there's ethical aspect of it that you have to make sure that you're giving them every benefit of that policy that they purchased because now they need it. It is such an industry, interesting in industry where technically people who don't undergo these terrible events and consequences of let's say natural disasters are in a sense, helping others who do need the benefits of those claims. So I think that's fascinating where I'm, you could technically say as, as a policyholder, you are indirectly helping these other uh, individuals, which is, I never really thought about that either. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely spot on. And so, so I'm going to have to ask about that Hawaii experience offline. Again, I wish we could cover more, but that sounds crazy. I'd love to move on to the, to the LinkedIn content because I mean, Anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with LinkedIn, spend way too much time on it um, and tell every single person who asks me for any advice for their career, go on LinkedIn and leverage it. One thing you have done is leverage the content aspect and leveraging the crazy algorithms right now that can exponentially increase your personal brand if you leverage it properly. I think I've said leverage five times. I'm going to stop. Can you speak about how you gain such an impressive following and, and all, all the significant engagement on LinkedIn? Yeah, you know, I, I'm a big uh, believer of Simon Sinek, and I'll, I'll say that his golden, golden circle, if you, don't, if you don't know that philosophy, definitely go at it, right? And one of the things that I always make sure that any of my mentees, anybody that I speak to that wants to progress is really have a amazing self-awareness and self-reflection as well as an emotional intelligence about what you're doing. So Daniel Goldman is another uh, great author that talks about all these topics. 
Um, and then, you know, Tom Rath has a strengths finder, a Gallup strengths finder. So uh, you may see somewhere on my LinkedIn profile about my strengths uh, that I post down there, right? My top strengths are maximizer, winning others over and uh, positivity, right? So between all of those, that's what I made the center of my life about, which is, you know, I am great at taking good things and turning them into something greater. So that's my skill set. That's my biggest strength. So instead of me focusing heavily on what my weaknesses are, right? And it could be anything. Like I'm not an innovator. I, you know, there's so many other things that I, I am okay with. I can do it, but it's not my top strength. So leveraging, I love that word, leveraging your strengths to attain what you want is the biggest thing. And going back to the golden circle, right? People don't buy what you sell. People buy why you sell it. So you really have to believe in what you're selling, right? I, uh, I'm now introducing, you know, workforce productivity, workforce utilization to organizations. And my goal really has been in the last uh, couple of months is to educate people on what does it mean when I speak about productivity? What does it mean when I talk about utilization? So it's about the content. It's about making sure that you share your why with people, like, right? Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why would I leave my amazing insurance career to come in and work for this organization, which I truly believe is doing some phenomenal work um, because of what they're providing to organizations? They're helping organizations stay healthy. They're helping organizations see true value of how do you build talent? How do you retain talent? How do you activate that talent when you need it, right? It's all about cross-training, making sure that you have, you know, when you think about a company, no matter what job you've had, you will always tell me that every department is kind of segmented. So whether it's a grocery store, whether it is a big warehouse, whether it is a, any professional area, all these companies have segmented departments throughout. And whenever one department needs help, they're always struggling and they're always saying, hey, can we get somebody to help out? And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you may get a person or two, but there's no visibility into these organizations as a whole and saying, we have capacity here, we have a need here, let's leverage these people and let's as a community achieve this result that we have. You know, everybody in majority of the departments ends up feeling like they never get anything done. Right. So they're they come in and they're like, there's this going to be this pile of work, no matter how hard I work, it's never going to go away. So my job really is to demonstrate to organizations that you can leverage that by ensuring that you give your people right amount of goals, daily goals and achievable goals, and then recognize who are your top performers and reward them for it and where you have shortfalls. You know, that's where you have an opportunity for a discussion to develop that talent, right? It's not letting, you know, your hopes down just because somebody didn't do well doesn't mean that they're not loyal. doesn't mean that they don't want to work hard or they're not working hard. It's the other way around. Normally you find that people are working very hard, but they're just, they didn't, they didn't grab the concept as quickly. But going back to your LinkedIn content, right? I, I think I had a ver like 2,000 or something in my network before this role, and um, which was very heavily focused in that circle that I knew of the couple of companies, the couple of insurance people that I knew, and that was it. But then when I started posting content, people started you know, driving towards it and wanting to have discussions with me and, you know, engage with it. So that's what it's all about. It's about creating content that adds value, you know, no matter what you do, as long as you truly have good intentions behind it, you will, you know, the result, the results would come. I mean, you know, I found your podcast very fascinating because I, I, I truly believe in the work that you're doing and it's adding a lot of value to young professionals that they will recognize and appreciate you later on down the road. It's a, it's a long journey, but you're doing great work. I appreciate that. Once again, thank you. Uh, I really love the, how you phrased it as sharing your why, adding value, um, putting your perspective in on, on the conversation and, and just engaging with people who are looking for this type of content. 
if you have that good um good intentions behind what you're posting and and collaborating on that's it just makes sense that you'd gain a following and and people would want to hear more of what you have to say uh so that's really interesting it really is i I ask a question to every guest, uh, no matter what industry they function in. And I love asking this question because everyone takes their own view on it. And that is, in your opinion, what is the biggest misconception in life or career? So the biggest misconception that I think, you know, I always uh, think about this very often, right? It's, It's this idea that you went to school, you did some things and you ended up at an organization and it's not what you thought it was going to be, right? It's, we all heard the phrase, the grass is never greener on the other side. Um, and no matter where you go, you're going to have challenges, whether it is the people that you're working with, whether it is the work that you're doing, uh, whether it is the environment, travel time, there's going to be various different elements that are going to add you know, some type of uh, negative feeling about that environment in your mind, but it really boils down to commitment. You know, it's it's like a relationship, you know, initially you love it, you know, when you're getting the offer and then all of a sudden, you know, as you start to learn, you start to go, what was that thinking? Like, you know, <laughs> getting into this and so on and so forth. And, but the idea and the feedback that I give is be committed, you know, give it your best and give it your best for a good concentrated amount of time you know because you're not going to learn everything right off the bat right and be humble about your approach so when you're going into an industry when you're graduating when you're you know when you're making a shift from one area to another um just be humble and you know recognize that this is an opportunity to do something that you didn't do before this is an opportunity for you to learn things that you did not learn before and take that as a continual uh, progression towards your goal that you have. And nobody, nobody, you know, ends up um, exactly the way they thought they were going to be. You know, it's very, very rare. I haven't come across anybody that said this is exactly how I planned it and this is how things, uh, things went because there's always those curveballs that you're going to get in life. And be prepared for those and don't let those knock you down. You know, focus on your true goal and continue to chip away slowly towards that. So whether, you know, we talk about designations, we talk about continuing education, you know, what you getting your master's, whatever it is. I don't care if it's one class a year. I don't care whether you take an exam every two years, study, read a page, read two pages, you know, do something those small incremental changes is what's going to lead to your success and and be um be rightful in your uh intent and make sure people know what you're trying to do accomplish right what is your goal for being at an organization what are you trying to achieve if you're sitting there and you're thinking that i you want to become a manager or a leader or you know the avp the svp make that your goal write it down for yourself and make sure that your leadership understands that that's what you want and ask them for feedback, right? Hey, how am I progressing with this? Do you see me as this individual? Do you see me uh, getting this role in the future? If not, what are some of the things that I can do? And sometimes you will get fantastic advice, right? And other times you will sit there and scratch your head. But the times that you scratch your head, right? And you're thinking, why did this person give me the advice? That's when you take that advice. And the reason why is because that is beyond your natural biases that you have towards what you think you should do because somebody else has given you a different perspective. That's incredible advice from so many perspectives, from an industry perspective, personal, professional development. Um, I love that. Thank you so much for that answer. And there's so many things we didn't get to cover I do want to circle back and and do a full circle here. And I'd love to hear you speak on coming from Pakistan. What what was that transition like and how has that impacted your life to date? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I was 11 when I came to the States. And it's funny because I was thinking about that as I was, uh, you know, thinking about your podcast and saying, you know, what am I going to say? And the thing that came to me is, you know, I knew very little English. I probably knew, I knew the alphabet. I knew very rehearsed responses. So if you ask me how I was doing, I could be bleeding and I will tell you I was fine because that's what I was taught to respond with. And, you know, so, so it was, it was a unique, unique experience because of you're coming from this area and, you know, I had a great family, you know, we, we have very strong ties there and coming into this world, this world, I call it not necessarily a country because this is a country of opportunity and you can, you can truly make it if you truly want to focus towards you know, achieving your goals. I mean, I'm one of the first people in my family to be able to achieve a master's degree and to be where I'm at. And, you know, so I, I feel I can sense the pride in, you know, my parents and my family members and what I've done. And it's all through, you know, recognizing what others go through, right? And it's, I think it's coming from that area. It gives me the appreciation of what people do not have in other parts of the world. And even even here, right? I mean, you think about that. Um, I love a great quote um, that you know one of the scholars in the past said that when you're looking to achieve the worldly things of this world, look to those who have less than you. And when you're looking to achieve knowledge, look to those who have more than you. So right. So it comes down to you know appreciating. Um, you know, all the, all the things that we have in this country, right? I mean, you don't have to worry about that the electricity is going, going at, is going, it's not going to come back for a few days, unless you're in Texas and they're on their own grid. That's a different story. But, oh, but in most cases, like I haven't had to experience that, but what other countries, you may not have access to water. You may not have access to a lot of those things. So I think it's good um, to recognize and to know what happens around the world um that we may be shaded away from so that's the that's the biggest thing that i can say that it gave me a level of appreciation for everything that i do everything you you say you've done has been so unique and it's really inspiring and i'm really for i feel so fortunate to be able to have uh, spoken with you and connected with you. Um, and, and I can't wait for listeners uh, to be able to, to feel the same way and, and to hear all the advice, the, the mentorship that you say, J- Justin, you're in, you're in your advice. That in itself, I would say is mentorship. And I know that's important to you. So it's, it's really great that you're going to be able to provide a lot of not only advice and, uh, introduce a lot of people to some of the inner workings of the insurance industry and, and LinkedIn content and, <laughs> and so much more. I, I'm really fortunate uh, that we connected and, and thank you so much for, for featuring here. No, absolutely, Ben. It was a, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you know, every time I speak with you, as I said, from our first interaction to now, uh, you just have a great, um, uh, you know, great thing that you're doing. And I'm very happy that uh, I got to play a little role in that. Absolutely. And if, if anyone wanted to connect with you after this, uh, reach out to you, et cetera, where would the best place be to do so? You said it best, LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, it's the best tool. And uh, utilize it, you know, network with people. Uh, you know, share your intent, right? It's it's very easy to ask somebody. I get so many messages that people say, hey, I'm looking for a job, right? And it's more than that. I mean, you know, I'm now in business development. I, you know, I would never want to receive a message from a customer, uh, from somebody uh, or send a message to a customer as a customer and receive, hey, can you buy my product? It's about developing a relationship, right? What do you have to offer, right? What, do your homework and, you know, um, and make sure that you reach out not just to me, but to other people in the area that you're looking to go towards, whether it's insurance or not insurance, and learn, just learn from experiences that will set you ahead so far. But yeah, LinkedIn is the best way. Um, you know, Oasis Baruch, I'm sure if you could just throw, <laughs> you're happy to put my uh, uh, profile page uh, link on uh, that, that'd be great. Of course.
We'll definitely do that. Always, thank you so much for for coming on, and um, thank you so much. And and I hope you have a a great rest of your night. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben, and you too. Enjoy your weekend. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of Aspire and Inquire. We hope you enjoyed it, learned a ton, and can use it to your advantage going forward in your own career. As always, you can find us on social media at Aspire underscore Inquire. You can find our website at AspireAndInquire.com. And we're always looking for new amazing guests to feature on the show. If you know someone or you yourself can feature on our show, reach out to us. You can email us at aspireinquired at gmail.com or find another way to get to us. We want to hear from you. But in the meantime, stay tuned till next week's amazing episode.